Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Ornovitz. And I'm Tom Haverstrow. Tom, we have an episode of Top Chef Season 16 in the books. Yes. A lot to discuss. Yes. The framework of the season, the venue, the location, the themes. Uh, and and by the way, I, I think the headline coming out of episode one, whether you've seen it or not, dear listener, is a lot of good food. The judges were just rosy in their praise. Wasn't really a bad dish, uh, you know, to be seen in, oh, in either channel. It was, I mean, as far as the first episodes go, I mean, it's got to be one of the best ever in terms of the production, the, the the execution of the dishes. Like there wasn't one where you you watch them make it 
uh, either the quick fire or the elimination challenge, you go, oh, that one is definitely going home. I mean, I thought this was top to bottom as strong of an episode, like out of the gate, not to use a, a Kentucky Derby reference. Tom Colicchio already covered all that. But I thought this was an excellent episode, and I feel like we're on, well on our way to an excellent season. All right. So let's just lay out for listeners what we know. Uh, the show yep. this season started with 15 contestants. That That's different than past seasons. Sometimes they've had this battle royale at the beginning to get it down to 16. Sometimes they brought in former contestants. This is just 15 new contestants mm-hmm. uh, who are essentially in five teams of three. Um, Tom, just we're going to draft as we did last season I can't in a wait. few minutes. I can't we wait. We are going to – among the, I guess, 14 survivors of the 15, uh, the show's already – lost one though we are getting three returning last chance he i'm going to let you deal with those technicalities Mm -hmm. but we're going to draft those 14 contestants um based on a similar but refined template that you drew up last season do you want to review what happened last season just in terms of the competition between me and you let's let's setting aside the, the the actual the chefs. I mean, let's focus on what's really important, which is you and me. Yeah. Um, uh, let's fo- Yeah. You and me. They, so, so this is summarize the only thing what important. happened last season. Uh, we drafted. Uh, I had the first pick. Um, we watched after the first episode. We drafted and um, I did some stats and I felt like Tyler Anderson was the number one pick because I did some research and 43 percent of the actual Top Chef winners uh, at one, also won the first elimination challenge. So I went with, with Tyler, and the way the draft worked is that you then, Kevin, in a snake draft, you get the next two picks, and then I get the next two picks, and we went so on and so forth, and we actually drafted Last Chance Kitchen uh, contestants, even though they weren't getting any points in our scoring system, which I think we need to fix this year. Uh, but But we drafted our teams last year, um, including the Last Chance Kitchen, but what was interesting is we had a trade mid-season. We discussed that episode six, right before we had Claudette Zapata Wilkins onto the show as an interview. Uh, I traded her after much discussion in that episode. I traded her to you for the rights to Chef uh, Chris Scott. And you also threw in a little wrinkle that has an effect on this draft that we're about to do. You said, I will give you Chris... As long as we pick swap next year for your fifth selection, I get it, and I will give you my fifth selection. So essentially, you're going to move up two spots, and I'm going to move down two spots in the middle of the draft. So how it worked out was I won after a slow start. I got um, I actually won the fantasy. Everyone, applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think – what was the score? I have it down here somewhere. Um I think I won by like 50 points or something like that. And it didn't start out that way. It started out, Kevin, you were running away with this thing, but Carrie came on strong and she's actually going to be in the last chance kitchen this year. And uh, I ended up winning. So what that does is that gives us um, an option. I think I'm going to take the first pick this season and then you're going to get the next two picks. And the way it works out with the trade from last year is that you're actually going to get Picks two, three, six, seven, and eight, and now I'm kind of jealous. I have I have helped my lot. You have, except Even- there's one problem with that theory, which is Tom. What was the correlation between our <laughs> drafting and the success of our draft choices last year? Uh, you might as well have been blindfolded and throwing at a dartboard. 
Right. So so basically, we have absolutely no skill in this exercise that we're going to commit our listeners to it's for the better part of 40 minutes. It's completely for entertainment purposes. And right. I feel like after watching this episode, I feel like I got a pretty good grasp of like how, how this is going to play out. But I have to remind myself, last year, the top f- four people in the competition, that was Carrie, Joe Stash, Joe Flam, and Adrian. None of them, Kevin, were top five picks after one episode last year. In our draft, we were like, eh, we could do without those four, and they ended up being the final four. So rather than recap, just going through the episode as we often do, let's just get into the draft, And because I think by virtue of making our selections, mm-hmm. we're going to kind of, we can break down the episode that way. I mean, listeners know, they probably watched, they saw what happened. Uh, we are now going to choose our picks. And you have the first pick, as by... Um, by winning last season's uh, fantasy, the Top Chef two-person head-to-head, you get the first pick in the draft. So, Tom, with the first pick in the Top Chef 16 draft, who are you selecting? Well, let's let's back up here a second because I do want to just go over the point system. For those scoring at Absolutely. home, if you want to do this first, uh, if you want to do this at home, play along. A lot of listeners last year played along, and uh, it was it was super fun. And what I realized last year, Kevin, is we didn't really have uh, not a participation trophy or like uh, we weren't giving handouts to the people that didn't finish in the top three or bottom three. But I feel like we should be giving them something. And so this year, I think we're flattening out the scoring system a little bit. So it's not so much so high highs and low lows. We're kind of making things a little bit flatter here. So um, if you win the elimination challenge, you're going to come up with 10 points total because the top three get five points in the elimination challenge. And then you get a five point bonus for winning the the elimination challenge. So the winner gets 10. The top three each get five. So five to the elimination winner. And then you get the five bonus. And then in the middle of the pack, so you don't finish in the bottom three or the top three, you're going to get plus two for the middle pack, middle of the pack survivors. Then if you finish in the bottom three, last year we gave you, uh, we, we took some points away for you, but that kind of felt mean because you actually did well to, so you actually got through to the next round. So in this edition, this year, we're going to give you zero points. We're not going to cost you any points. We're not going to take away any points. The penalty is that you do not get any points and you do not lose any points. But if you lose, and you go to last chance kitchen minus five. So to recap, elimination challenge plus five for being in the top three, plus five for being the winner, plus two for middle of the pack, zero for the bottom three, minus five for the loser, and that loser goes to last chance kitchen. Now you also have the quick fire challenge. Last year you lost points for being in the bottom three in the quick fire, but this year we're actually just going to say zero again for being in the bottom three. You can only add to your score, so they're bonuses, quick fire bonuses. If you're in the top three, you get plus one, and if you get the winner, you get an additional two points. So if you win the quick fire, you're going to get a total of three points. So now this is an interesting refinement in the Tom Haberstrow sort of mindset you don't put a huge amount of credence in quick fire you're you're just you're not all that impressed you know what i'm kind of swayed by tyler last year you're not impressed i i so i think they deserve points i think if you win the quick fire challenge you deserve uh 
three points. I think that's fair. Um, it's more than just being a middle of the pack survivor in the ne- in the elimination challenge. But I do I do think that it seems but actually like- it's exactly the same. It's it's it, it's winning a quick fire is the same point allocation as. But but, but I'm, I'm no no. Kind you of- get three points total for the quick fire winner. You get three points total. Oh, and a bonus. Okay, that's yeah good. That's good. yeah. So if you win the quick fire, you're going to get three total points. So actually, if you win both the quick fire and the elimination challenge, you could come away with thirteen points. So the the high end, you're going to get 13 points if you win both the, the quick fire and the elimination challenge. But there is no cost this year, Kevin. There's there's no cost to finishing in the bottom three. It's just that you don't get any bonuses. You don't get any points, which we'll see how it plays out. Um, at some point, I'll probably uh, retroactively score last season just to see how things would change. But um, also this year, a little tweak, we are going to award Last Chance Kitchen one point for survival surviving and moving on in last chance kitchen you are going to get a minus one if you lose and you're out of the competition so you get minus five if you're eliminated and then if you get eliminated again in last chance kitchen you get a minus one so got you the last thing that we have to do for the scoring is 50 points for the winner you got joe flam you drafted joe flam i think with a six pick last year he won the whole thing but it wasn't enough to close the gap last year joe sasto and and carry my picks were huge for me. So um, with that all said, with all the clearing of the throats and all the uh, minutia, the CBA minutia, Kevin, let's get to the draft. Yes, let's get to the draft. I'm very excited. Okay. Now, now, now give me the – I want you to be Adam Silver and, and give – or David. if you want to go David Stern, his tone. Yes. No, no. It's, it's absolutely David Stern. Okay. Go for it. All right. Wait, wait, you're, wait, you're, aren't you the first pick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. Ready. You're My, David Stern. I mean, you're not as good at being an old Jew as I am, <laughs> but like, you got to do the David Stern voice. Okay. With the first pick of the 2019, well, 2018. No, now, no you sound like 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 <laughs> the like the politician in The Simpsons. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. I'm just gonna go with my own voice because I'm getting yeah, just all go with your own now. Voice, okay. Seriously. All right, ready? Now I'm nervous. With the first pick of the. Season two, pack your knives draft. Team Tom is selecting Natalie Moransky. Natalie Moransky. Sorry, I mispronounced her last name. And you must, I mean, and I think the listeners who know you know why you're doing this, but you want to re, 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 aside from the fact that she seems like a fantastic chef, there is one overriding reason she is now on your team. 43%. I should I should say it's probably about forty percent after what happened last year in Tyler Anderson, who came out of the gates with winning the elimination challenge. He actually sputtered pretty soon after that and was eliminated. However, Kevin, forty percent of Top Chef winners won the first elimination challenge, and it actually is, I believe, the most predictive of the first like five or six rounds uh, episodes of Top Chef. You want to win the first one, Kevin. And this time, Natalie, I wasn't so confident coming out of the gate here to, in the first episode, but man, she nailed the crudo right out of the gate. I think this is important. If you are someone who's going to have a Peruvian background and exceptional at making crudo or ceviche, you're going to go very far in this competition. So not only did Natalie, uh, after a 10-month layoff, she seemed a little nervous at first. She wins the elimination challenge. Um 
I feel like this is a strong number one pick because not only has she got the 10 points, which would, she would have won um, if we were counting this, she not only did she win the first elimination challenge, Kevin, but I feel like her strengths with the crudo and the ceviche, Peru, Peruvian cuisine where she worked before, I feel like this is a strong pick. What was very interesting, and I just want to talk about this dish because it, it, it was it was brilliant, is she did the she did the crudo as a laksa. Okay. And in laksa is a Southeast Asian kind of I had some of the best laksa of my life at, at Borneo Kalimantan cuisine in Alhambra, California about three weeks ago. Um just a kind of a beautiful, uh savory, coconutty Southeast Asian stew. So what she did essentially was she combined, as you said, uh, her, her her knowledge and, and, te- and technical expertise at ceviche, but kind of did it with the Borneo, Indonesian, Malaysian, wherever you want to situate laksa uh, for flavor profiles. She confits potatoes with it. It's an absolutely brilliant, gorgeous looking dish. Um, so I'm with you. I, I think there's reason enough to draft Natalie, not just because probability dictates that she's your best bet going forward. But I just I love the sheer imagination. I yes. love the flavor profiles. Laksa. I mean, like ceviche as laksa. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, Kevin, so I think this is a uh, another note on her is that I've nicknamed I've nicknamed everybody on this uh, episode because it helps me remember the, who they are, because it's hard after watching it one episode. It's hard to keep everyone straight, uh, put faces to names. But I've nicknamed her Redemption Natalie. Okay, she had a breakup recently. She broke up with her boyfriend, I'm assuming boyfriend, and the this this uh ex, she says, was a top chef fan and she says I won the breakup. So Natalie, good for you. I appreciate that. She's got a chip on her shoulder and she's ready to to kick some ass. So, Kevin, I have a I'm sipping some bourbon here um at, as part at of 11:30 Eastern. Well, Kevin, this is we're recording this uh, after the first episode. Oh um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're recording uh, our bourbon themed season, and I'm going to take my first sip of Basil Hayden's after my first selection. Kevin, you're up two and three. This is very difficult, and uh, it's just a matter of kind of setting it up. I have um, I have three contestants I would like to choose, okay. and and I'm going to choose between the two of them. But with the second overall pick in the 2018 <laughs> season 16 draft. Team Kevin selects Eddie Conrad of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wow. Wow. This is a Laurel pick, right? This is the Nick Elmy uh, protege pick, right? Well, I mean, look, I I think there are a couple of considerations. The first is pedigree does matter, and I think we've seen in the past that that it does. I think he's technically able, and I think we saw that in both his quick fire and his elimination challenge. He's the kind of guy that I don't know that he's going to win this season, but I think he is as likely to be in the final four as anyone in the field, including Natalie, including the other folks who who showed well last night. I, I, I just think there's a competence about his, his presence, his chefness that doesn't matter. He did one of the two scallop crudos. Mm. Um, and, yeah. and by the way, the fact that he didn't win for all we know, he had the second best dish, um, in, in on, on the night because he finished second only to Natalie. Oh, that's I a mean, good point. You wow. know, like, like yes. so we're thinking of, oh, you didn't finish in the top five. No, actually, I don't know that. I mean, I, I think there's a very good chance that Eddie had the second best dish on the, it just happened to be in the same division bracket. At, yeah. 
as as, as Natalie. So I, I just feel really comfortable. This is basically this is guy who's not going to be eliminated until the All Star break. Like it's just not like he's he's just not going away. And and maybe you could have said that about Tyler, but I, I just think there is a there's a there's a technical he, okay. he he's he's. He's both smart, but there's a restraint. It's just he's he's not going anywhere. I'm gonna, I'm going to be racking up points with this horse for several <laughs> weeks here. I like your pun there. Now, Kevin, last year you drafted Chef Two, David Two. Yeah, I think I, I was just drawn into the whole like his family owned a fish shop. Yeah, but but my thing is, Kevin, it didn't work out so well, and I'm wondering if there's a little. Here's why I'm nervous about Eddie, and I had him a little bit lower on my board. I nicknamed him Antsy Eddie. He seemed a little nervous. Seemed oh, a little in, nervous. That's intensity. That was intensity. That okay. was just I like, just didn't know if he was, was, you know, focused. cut for this, Kevin. The guy is focused. Okay. All um, right. I have a very difficult decision to make here for number two. Well, your second pick, but the and I'm pick, actually pick I have my to, draft board, and I'm actually uh, this will be the third overall pick, just if you're still keeping score at home, <laughs> and uh, my second. I'm going to go with with the third pick, Pablo Lamon of wow. Miami, Florida. Ooh, there could be a trade coming up. Man, that's a good pick. Um, just to review for our, um, our our listeners, he is originally from Buenos Aires. He did the tilapia crudo with green apple vinaigrette, the sweet potato bourbon puree, and the togarashi chips, uh, a dish that made it into the top three at the winners of the judges' table um, last night. And uh, just seems to be a really capable chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is going to have a true identity. Knows who he is as a chef, and uh, I, I I just I, I kind of like his presence. This is a very tough call for me, and I, I will reveal uh, just just the other the other no, consideration no, once he gets drafted. But oh, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm very comfortable with this. Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm really jealous. Uh, the 27 restaurant, the Broken Shaker. If, if you're going to Miami and you don't want to pay top, you know, prices for you know the Ritz or the One Hotel, like I would go at the Hostel base. It's a it's it's a nice hotel, but the Broken Shaker and um, and and 27 restaurant right there, kind of up a little bit on the beach. Fantastic place. The Freehand. Um, that's where Pablo does his work. He was fantastic in this episode. He's worked under – I mean you talk about pedigree, Kevin. These two picks by you are all about pedigree because he worked under or worked with Jeremy Ford, also uh, Crudo Bro. So that is a strong pick, Pablo. I, I call him Pablo Messi, um, not just because of Lionel Messi, the, the Argentine soccer player, but because he did mention – and I thought this was going to be a huge point for you that his cutting board was too messy. No, but he was bothered by it. Exactly. He was bothered by how messy it was. And I thought, ooh, Kevin's going to really like that. And I think he's going to draft yeah. him. Got to keep your station clean. Got to keep you <laughs> clean as you go. Got to clean as you go. Okay. You cook in the kitchen. With the fourth pick in the 2018 19 Pack Your Knives season two draft, Team Tom selects Nini Wynn. Interesting. Ooh, you don't like it. Very interesting. No, 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 no. I was really impressed. I mean, I think it takes a lot of mock, a charred cabbage salad with some blackened catfish and the fish sauce. I love her cooking, by the way. I mean, that clear, like, like this is the chef I want to take home, um, just in terms of uh, 
flavor and, and it's uh but so give me your give me your rationale okay, I, this is, I think I mean, asian chefs just the the flavor profiles uh they've done really really well in top chef um historically um they have performed super super well in top chef and i feel like she's got not just the pink jumpsuit going for her but i really enjoy the the story the fact that she worked in new orleans i feel like that's a point where she's from new orleans i feel like the cuisine there um, is going to really the, the, how ubiquitous it is, how you can do so many different things, whether it's fish. I mean, her parents moved to New Orleans because they love to fish. And I feel like in Top Chef, that's going to be a huge advantage for her. Um, I like her personality. Uh, I feel like she has a really good IG handle. It's called it's I Dream of Nini, which is I like it. It's fantastic. I like everything about Nini. She was number two on my big board. I thought you were going to decide between Pablo and Nini. And so I was a little nervous that you'd go and take her off the board. But I got Nini for my number four pick. And number five, I'm going with Justin. Interesting again. So Justin, he's won Iron Chef America. So he's already good at yeah, we he's know a good, good competition. Yeah, I saw that too. He's not very good at math. However, did you pick up on Justin's math in, in this episode? Well, just a review. He did the coconut ship, uh, shrimp and grits, which was just just look scrumptious oh. um uh what did he what was the math uh, issue he said he's 60 percent bourbon 20 percent pot and 40 percent fried food well that doesn't half, work 99 percent of the game is mental and, and, <laughs> and every and when the other half is uh whatever it's physical right? yeah that doesn't right, right. yogi quote right um you know so this his, is 120 percent he's he, well, mr 120 percent here you know you might think kevin me being a numbers guy that i would actually ding him points for not doing the math correct like that but i do see in the quote he said about 60 percent about 20 percent pot so i think it's just uh, you know fudging the numbers a little bit you can get to 100 percent um but justin seems really strong uh, I loved his dish. I love coconut flavor. So uh, whether it's coconut water or coconut dessert, whatever it is, like coconut donuts. Like when I was a kid, I loved the coconut donut. Um, but I also I appreciate someone who's able to edit it down so it's not too sweet in the shrimp and grits dish. I thought he was um, he was really strong and also got an extra point for being on the winning team in the quick fire challenge. So I feel like he's a strong personality. Uh, and I also like his cuisine. He actually did a really, really good job in this episode. So I might be a little biased because he's uh, he's got the math thing going because he did see won both the elimination challenge or he was in the top three and eliminate. No, he wasn't in top three, but he did do well in quick fire. So he is the third member of my team, Natalie, Nini, and then Justin. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. And, and, and I think and it's something we talked about with Tyler a little bit last year. The fact that he has experience in a competition show. Mm -hmm. To me, to the extent that this is a skill, right? Like we're not we're not finding the best chef in America. We're finding the chefs in America who are both talented and have the capacity to do this very odd thing, which is just execute with these weird limitations and the bright lights and all the other bullshit that goes with being on a, on a, on a competition show. So I really like that pick for you. Um, I now have uh, and we'll get to we'll explain to our listeners when I come up to the number eight overall pick why I have three in a row here. But but let's just take my my my. My current – the number over – six overall pick in the third for me is Michelle Minori. Mm, yep, yep. So in our preview, I kind of scouted her as the contestant that would make pasta at every turn. Yep. Uh, she she was at Flower and Water in San Francisco, and sure enough, you know, these chefs pretty much had a free spot. I mean I, I thought last I, – I thought the premiere episode was very interesting to me in the Elimination Challenge insofar as 
you know, other than, okay, this is something you need to make, you need to be able to make it scale because there are 200 diners. Uh, it, it was a, a warm weather event and during the daytime. So there was going to be, I think, an, a predisposition to, you know, the crudos and whatnot. Uh, it was pretty much a freeze. This was a wonderful way, Tom, to kind of see you have Whole Foods to yourself. You can make anything you want. This is the this is the recipe you brought from home that you knew that the first opportunity you had to do something, you know, at this scale you would do. What do you choose? And she chose to do an absolutely fantastic carrot top tagliatelle. Mm. But it wasn't even just the carrot top tagliatelle, which looked gorgeous. It was the sort of the fun flavor she she paired with that braised chicken. Sumac, Burberry, which is like an Ethiopian spice that has some heat and orange. I, I just absolutely like that was a pasta. And I'm I'm as a as a gay man in Los Angeles, as a rule, I only have like pasta twice a year because carbohydrates are terrible and I and I, you know, and, and I'm I'm always concerned about my carb intake. <laughs> what straight but, guys aren't aren't Worried no, about no. their carb intake? You do not put a carbohydrate in front of a gay man in Los Angeles. <laughs> like, no. Like, it's just, that's just, that's kryptonite. But uh, this was a pasta I could get behind. And I think she is going to be the the pasta at every turn. And, I, and by the way, those contestants tend to do well. Like, pasta, people like pasta. It demonstrates technical skill. You can put anything inside a pasta you want to put inside. Um, it basically gives you a lovely canvas. The presentation is always gorgeous. I mean, pasta presents very well. Yes. And so I, I just think she is going – I think she's going to be a force in this in this show. You know, um, I, th I think you're also uh, – I think you're missing the L.A. chef here. So I think you're going with a California chef. I think that's uh, a – I think there's a little bias there and I think you should do that is is pay homage to your to your roots there in L.A. You don't have an L.A. chef so you got to go You do not have an L.A. chef on the board. There's no – Shout out to California and uh, Michelle Minori. With the seventh overall pick in the draft, I'm going to take David Viana. Wow. With, not without reservation. Not without reservation. Okay? Mm -hmm. Clearly, this very talented chef who's been beard nominated is an absolute space cadet. Okay? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 he forgets the flower. He's in line. And the guy at Whole Foods has a sign on his back that says, forgot something? I can go get it for you. Which Weren't you expecting that to happen? Yes, yes. I, so he gets – all right, so just to review for our um, for our listeners, uh, you know, it's one of those kind of battle royales. You go into the Whole Foods. The clock is going. Just go grab everything um, off the aisles you need. You get in line. You have a budget, whatever. He's going to make nookie and gets to the line realizes he didn't bring flour. Now, by the way, Tom Kalicchio asks a very good question is, do you need flour to make gnocchi? Oh. Which, and he did it in the most Confucian sort of way. Like, yes. like it was like Yoda there. Like, oh, but you need flour to make gnocchi. Um, and David just says, screw it. I guess I'm just screwed. Even though the Whole Foods apron of that particular store in Louisville says, hey, forgot something? I can go get it for you. <laughs> um, which always pisses off everybody else in line. Um, it happened to me the other day at Smart oh, Final yeah. where – um, but, uh, anyway, so well, he's now stuck in making basically potato soup. Like, um, when life and, hands you lemons, right, Kevin? Yes. When whole foods hand you potatoes, make <laughs> potato soup. Um, but he pulls it off. He pulls it off. It's umami in a bowl. Uh, he makes a porcini and potato soup that absolutely wowed Tom Colicchio who said, I have no idea what I'm eating, but it is wonderful. Now, the misgiving is not so much that. My misgiving is the number one rule 
of Top Chef. And I think the number one reason, particularly in the later rounds, that people get eliminated, Tom, why? They don't cook the protein correctly. Mm -hmm. And in the quick fire challenge, his team decided to do rabbit. And he was in charge of prep – or not prep. He was in charge of actually executing in uh, the rabbit and put the lid on the pan. The other teammates kind of anticipated early on this was a bad move. It would get overcooked. Sure enough, the rabbit was overcooked. So anybody who can't I, – I have misgivings about a contestant that just might not be able to nail – I mean look what Adrian was able to accomplish last season. Even as she was struggling with seasoning, Tom. Every time out, the fish, the meat, whatever it was she was doing was executed perfect. She couldn't get sent home when you just nail the piece of meat, even if it's a little undersalted, even if you maybe screwed up some other component. And I just feel like the ability to nail the protein is essential. And he's already demonstrated an in a, you know, a, a lack of perfection in that event. But I still like him. I mean, if you can make potato soup a winner, oh man, um, you got some serious game. So I take him. I, I got to tip my cap to the production, the editing of this episode, because I thought it was a disaster. When they were showing what, – Which what, – not the production, the uh, – you mean David Viana's. Uh, yeah, David Viana's oh, dish. Oh, okay, yeah. The way that they just – they showed Tom Colicchio and the rest of – and the music, it just shut off. And it was like, oh, he bombed. He he's bombed. Done. He's, he's done. done. We all like, thought he was done. Like when he said, when even when Tom Colicchio opened his mouth and said the words, "I don't know what I'm eating," I thought he's done. Goodbye. See it, David. Don't go back to Elizabeth, New Jersey, because it's going to be in shame. Tom Colicchio is going to destroy your dish, and you should never meet your heroes. And it's going to be a sad ending for you, David. Right. And it turned around completely, and I did not see that coming. It's uh, and it's potato soup. I mean, I mean, to, to put potato soup into context, um, I went to a very orthodox Jewish day school in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. So it was a, a school run by rabbis and, and very religious people. And Holocaust Remembrance Day was always um, you'd walk into school. There were no lights on. You know, the entire school was lit by candle. It was a very serious day. And as a young person, uh, young Jewish kid, it was just it, it was as austere an environment as you, you know, as you could encounter. And the entire day was dedicated to just sort of really, you know, understanding just the magnitude and terror of, of, of the thirties and forties in Germany. Um, and for lunch, we would get this watery potato soup. And so, I mean, potato soup is, is honestly the least appetizing food in the world. It's as I mean, bland it's, it's what as they it give gets. to political prisoners, right? It's what you give to political prisoners. And he comes out and makes it umami. That's, that's talent. That is super talent. And I, I was wondering, Kevin, if whether where this story, you were wondering where the hell is this? Story no, going? <laughs> no. The first, the, it just like, think about what David pulled off was he not only, uh, screwed up the, you know, the flour thing, but also he cooks a dish that's sitting at home. Kevin Arnovitz, the first thing that he thinks of with that dish, the potato soup, is the Holocaust. It's genocide, right. Genocide. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, I'm just imagining, like, those rabbis here when I start going on about the pork belly later on. Like, now I'm just like, – <laughs> there's all sorts of crazy latent – guilt issues on uh, with this whole broadcast all right so tom do you want to explain why it is that i now have a third consecutive pick yeah um this was something you I already did. did a little bit but yeah this is this is not what i foresaw you know i actually went back to last season's uh episode six because i remember we made a trade and i had a hint a whiff a thought that there might have been a pick swap in that in that trade that we did for um 
uh, Chris for Claudette and we had Claudette after we made the trade and I had to shamefully explain to her that I traded her and I actually thought that she was not a good value going forward and it was awkward but she was a great sport about it and you should go check out her restaurant uh, Hardim in San Diego. But Kevin, there was a pick swap where you decided in 27 in the in the uh 17 season 17 um top chef that we would do a pick swap. And I said, "No, we can do it for season 16, not knowing that this would happen, this day would come. Today I am reaping what I have sown. I gave you the eighth pick, essentially. I was supposed to get that pick, but now I give it to you as part of a pick swap. My fourth selection was going to turn into yours, and I would swap with your fifth selection. So this is why you are getting a third straight pick, and now I'm super jealous because I feel like I know who you're going to pick here, and I think it's going to be my next one. So you go your eighth pick in the season two Pack Your Knives draft. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm going with Eric Ajapong. Sexy Eric. Yeah, sexy Eric. All right. So he's the top finalist for the one of the sexiest chefs in America. He By the way, not why I'm choosing him, and I'm going to get I'm, into why I'm choosing him. I'm I'm just saying in my notes, that is how I knew him going into this season is that he was uh that was on his notes, on his bio for me was that he is one of the uh, most attractive chefs in America. I don't know if that makes him a good chef, but it definitely makes him easy on the ice. So you go with your eighth pick, Eric Adjapong. Yeah, I mean, one of the best-looking scallop crudos I've seen in a long time, and I think yes. you and I both. like. I, to me, like raw scallops are one of the greatest 
next to uni is one of my favorite foods in the world. Um, it was very ambitious. Uh, he's a Ghanaian American chef. I have a very soft spot for Ghana. I spent three weeks there um, in 2007 trekking around, going you know along the coast up to Kumasi, trekking um, you know uh, mountain Afaja, uh, uh, going up to Hohoi, I mean way up in the north. Um, learned a lot about West African cuisine, um, hung out on Lake Volta in a hammock for three days. Just, just what a beautiful country, um, and, and a fun place to eat. I mean, there's so much, I am, I'm excited that we're going to have, we're going to have Banku, we're going to have jollof rice, we're going to have fufu. I know Eric's sitting on some red, red, some, some re <laughs> deconstructed red, red, which is like a lovely stew with like black eyed peas and some fish. Um, I, I like it thicker than thinner. And I, I'm just I, – I'm, I'm hoping Eric goes far because I, I just uh, – a, a tapestry of Ghanaian cooking would be lovely um, for uh, you know for this show. So I'm, I'm very excited. That was just a great trip too um, uh, and uh, just, just kind of trekking around for three weeks in Ghana and um, was, was, was super cool, although it just poured on at Cape Coast for like three days. I was sitting inside of a hut um, doing nothing but reading. I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out here, Kevin, because I th I could have sent some arbitrage opportunities here with if I had taken Eric earlier, I might have been able to trade and gotten some really nice trade package for him. Because you cause, probably could have, because I because he's a guy one on my team. It's, yeah. It's like, um, hey, I, I mean, by the way, can we just talk about the depth of this? Just obviously, we're basing this purely on one episode, but like we're down to the eight pick, and this is a guy who I think's got game to go. I mean, I, I mean, he executed both events completely flawlessly and we're picking them i'm picking them eighth I like know. it's uh anyway so that, that, that that's the story you now have well get me up to date you got nine but then i come no, right I got, back i got nine and ten because we swapped picks. oh we swapped we did a pick swap right. that's so right. you were supposed to get ten and i was supposed to get eight but we swapped those positions so you get three in a row i have by the way eric is now officially the first chef who is tweeted at the pack your knives account hey bonus points for eric so, Eric, if you're listening, we invite you on. I want to do we want to do a good 30 minutes on Ghanaian cooking and in Ghana in general. So so That's you are at if, Chef Adjapong. I will spell it at C-H-E-F-A-D-J-E-P-O-N-G. So we want to uh, we want to have a, an extensive conversation. Uh, I'm really excited to have that. And uh, and by the way, if I'm in D.C., it will not be for the playoffs most likely this season. Uh, but, but when I'm in D.C., I definitely want to do a, a pop-up dinner and gather all my Washingtonian friends. But uh, yeah, this is exciting. I'm very happy to, 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 to find this gem in the middle of the first round. This is excellent. Okay, okay, I get it. If you really liked Eric, you would have picked him number one overall, okay? Or second overall, okay? You're rubbing it in now because now I feel like we I should have picked him a little bit sooner and traded him. All right, so, all right, fine. With the ninth pick in the 2018-19 Pacquiao Knives draft, I'm taking Brian Young. Big Brian, who could be, not just because he's as big as Joe Flam, he could be the Joe Flam of this episode, of this season. I like the fact that he takes, what, 30 seconds to, did he say 30 seconds to butcher a rabbit? How long would it take you, Kevin, to butcher a rabbit? I mean, I wouldn't have the heart because I like I'm like somebody who watches animal videos on YouTube. <laughs> like, like, the, like the thing, the, the the things that like my so peers the don't know about me. You would not do it. You would not like. Butcher. Like, I have like I like I like good kittens and bunny rabbits and baby goats are my favorite. Like, I, I this is a thing I have. I'm kind of an animal person, and um, but 
rabbit's delicious. So um, yes, yeah, well, I, I, I'd get over it, but yeah, I feel like he's got the the um, tacit leadership, like the passive leadership, which I like in Top Chef, where he knows the right thing to do, but he doesn't want to rub the person the wrong way. Um, and so w- with that rabbit dish, he said, Hey, let's add some, um, some herbs into that. Ooh, I don't know if I would, you know, off camera, he said, I, I wouldn't have, uh, put the lid on that, um, because it's going to overcook it. So I feel like he's really sharp on that. Um, yeah. it's not just that he's, you know, f- for someone who's a butcher and charcutier, he is someone that I think can appreciate the herbs and the spices and the flavors beyond just a hunk of meat. So I think right. Brian, um, I'm going to take him because I like his not just his uh, his his cooking, but his uh, I know Padma didn't like the brine, but I actually liked his uh, creativity making basically a pork mint julep. Um, right. So well, I so, like so the play there. The dish is muping. Right. And, and, and if you go all over Thailand, this is basically pork on a stick in Thailand. It is. It, Tom, if you and I were to trek around. Thailand, we would probably consume more muping than than ever imaginable. Like like like, essentially, you're in a world now where a nice pork skewer costs you sixty American cents, oh. and you know, give me five <laughs> is sort of, you know, and that's a meal. And now 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 the brine it did it did he didn't execute the protein, which would be my one skepticism. Again, he ironically he knew how to do it for the quick fire by ver- by virtue of of who he was uh, teamed with. He didn't get it done by himself. Uh, you know, apparently, you know, the fat wasn't fully rendered and whatever uh, other objections there were. But uh, yeah, I, I like this pick. This I, I think this is exactly the kind of contestant who, you know, didn't really show well in the first episode, but, you know, has just the breadth of knowledge to stick around for a while. Yeah, he's uh, he was in the middle. Obviously, he wasn't in the top. He wasn't in the bottom. Um, but I, I like Brian Young and I think I'm a, I'm a, acknowledging my bias here that I'm I, I see how big he is and I see Joe Flam and so if he was short uh and super scrawny and he, and he looked like a a, a little um uh, a, a pencil broken in half I probably wouldn't associate him with being the next Joe Flam but I'm making the pick for Brian with my ninth pick and I have the 10th pick here with the 10th pick I'm going with Kelsey Clark Southern Belle Kel. Interesting. I I like the fact that she's uh, got a, a really serious pedigree. I like the fact that she's got the Southern thing going for her. Um, I like the dish that she made. Uh, she's close with, with Sarah. Apparently they work together and she has a smaller ass than Sarah as Sarah um, from Kentucky, from Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah, to, any, to any sensitive listeners, Tom is just repeating, repeating what was stated by one of the women. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm not making judgments here. I'm just yes. things that stuck out from the first episode. No objectification going on. Exactly, exactly. So she is uh, – she is my 10th pick, and I just like the the Alabama roots. Um, she knows the cuisine, the southern cuisine. She says literally a little too much for me um, because I, it reminds me of my sister, the way she says literally after every fifth word. Um, but I think Kelsey is a, a really strong contestant. She has a pretty great following, um, and I just think – She's she's going to be someone who's going to be here for a while on the basis of not only is she a good technical chef, but also she knows the, the cuisine very, very well. The, the flavors of the South. Yeah. So I love deviled eggs. I mean, that that is the way to my heart. And if it's on a menu, particularly like truffle deviled eggs or some other 
the incarnation of deviled eggs and in that little small bite section of any menu like let's bring a couple of those out for the table like that is automatic that said um and i, and I also appreciate that we're getting toward the end of the draft and, and all the not, candidates. they're not gonna be perfect right no we're not gonna be perfect I, but i go back to that notion that you can do anything you want anything you want now one could argue that deviled eggs is exactly what you want to do for a uh, afternoon kentucky event um, and people love them and they're cloud pleasers. I, I just, when you go back and look at the, how each of these other candidates challenge themselves, you know, we're looking at, you know, a, a charred cabbage shallow with blackened catfish, you know, real proteins on a plate, um, carrot top tagliatelle with all sorts of flavors and you're going with deviled eggs. Okay. All right. Yeah. You're going with deviled eggs and they're good deviled eggs. I, I just kind of feel like I don't know. It's just it's not an expression of confidence to me. And uh, but again, I, I know we're now at the uh, sort of getting toward um, you know toward the end. So um, I'm, I'm gonna I have the next pick, or do you have the next pick? Uh, you have the next pick, uh, pick number eleven, and then I go because we swap picks. So right. you have pick, pick eleven, and I have pick twelve. Uh, with my with the eleventh overall pick, I'm gonna take Sarah Bradley. Um, mm. A lot of New York training. I think it takes a ton of moxie to open up a farm-to-table restaurant in Paducah, Kentucky. And, and Tom, let me ask you: If you saw that bourbon-braised pork belly with barbecue-spiced carrots and pickled pecans on a menu, I think Tom Haberstroh would like dash to I'm the kitchen. I'm already regretting my pick. You're, you're, I'm already you regretting. You know, it. like, like I mean, come on. I mean, that is some Tom Haberstroh plate right there. I mean, that that is, you know, um, I, you know, I know she showed, but she was in a tough division. Um, I think it's very likely she had one of the six or seven best dishes. Again, I thought, you know, one thing that's deceptive about that that horse race arbitrary group assembly is we're not talking one through five, six through 10, 10, 11 through 15. Right. Like this is the Western Conference, Eastern Conference situation. Right. Like like I, I, that looked like a great dish. And and the, what was the criticism? You didn't sell this brilliant thing you did, which was pickling pecans well enough. I think she is a sleeping giant. Tom, I was praying that you didn't take her wow. with 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 the next pick because I wasn't going to take her over Eric or uh, or, or David, and um, not not to toot my own. She could be out next week. Who knows? But uh, I'm very happy with this pick. I think she's a sleeping giant. I think she has got she is she is not risk averse, which is something that can 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 beat you. And yet, I, I and that and that plate looked delicious. I mean, come on. Paducah, Kentucky is a three-hour drive from Louisville. It is, uh, and by the way, Padma was spot on with the pronunciation of Louisville. It is not Louisville, everyone at home. It is not Louisville. Uh, It is Louisville, okay? Uh, my, My wife is from Louisville. And that is how they pronounce it there in Louisville. So uh, do as the Romans do. Um, Paducah, Kentucky is right on the Ohio River. Uh, I feel like I really miss this one, Kevin. I'm already lamenting my pick. Um, well, there are there are transactions that can be executed, my friend. <laughs> we, 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 we can we can negotiate. There's Why nobody's... are you a ghoul from some uh, Disney? <laughs> nobody Disney is untouchable. Movie. Everybody has asset value. <laughs> nobody is untradeable. Not even Kevin Durant is untradeable. I love it. So yeah, that is a really strong pick. And man, the the pork belly dish that she had, uh, I I was I wrote it down and circled it in my notes, and somehow I oversaw it. You know what? Great pick by you. So what do you got? You you got the next two. I'm going to go with uh, Adrian. Adrian, I feel the, the mortadella, when she walks up to the counter and says the sexy mortadella, I know what she means because um, some mortadellas cannot look so pretty, not, not look so scrumptious. And she goes yeah, up but- there. 
Mortadella is one of those things it takes. It's like it takes the library, the librarian glasses off and all of a sudden shakes its head and it's like very sexy Mortadella. Exactly. Um, and Adrian, look, if she was if if she was next to anyone else other than I, I won't name him yet because I don't want to, um, you know, uh, taint the 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 draft here. I feel like she got a poor hand. Um, and I th- think she took it very well. Um, she had to listen to something throughout the episode and she performed well under pressure. I liked the pasta, um, leanings. And I just realized Kevin, that I have gotten both the Bostonites, uh, the, both the Beantown chefs here on my team. And I, I, I guess I might be a little biased on that front being from new England. Uh, but I like chef Adrian. Um, if Brian reminded me of Joe Flam, uh, Adrian has the same, uh, name as the, the, the runner up there in top chef last year. So I don't uh, think she has the technical skills, but I, I hear you. I'm with, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with Adrian with my number 12 pick. Uh, so there, there are two ways to look at Adrian, right? One is, Hey, look, if she has 15 extra minutes, she is coming out with a beautiful rolled pasta. With all these components, I love peas. So, I mean, that is the way to my heart. So, man, I mean, it, it was – that could – like 15 minutes or 10 minutes, I don't know how much longer she would have needed to execute. And we're having a completely conver- different conversation about this contestant, right? Like now the other way to look at it vis-a-vis the sort of the constraints mm-hmm. of Top Chef is she lacks judgment, right? Like right out of the box, the like – Thinking you can – not being able to manage time is sort of – as we know, it's the fatal flaw, right? Like you can be the greatest chef in the world. We go back to the Tyler conversation, right? Like, and that she's she's poor at time management. So so I think there's like one of two ways to look at her and you know, obviously you're banking on on scenario number one, which is, hey, look, I mean like, you know, if not for 10 minutes, you know, she might be sitting up there in, 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 at the judge's table among the winners. With my 13th pick, Kevin – this is purely because of the entertainment play and that I yeah. feel like he's going to be a villain this season and he's going to be around and he's one of those guys you love to hate. He is the Draymond Green of this competition where if he's on your team, it's going to be loud and it's going to be boisterous. It's going to be uh, dysfunctional at times, but you know what? It's entertaining. And I think Brandon Rosen, I've nicknamed him Bossy Brandon, uh, the pompadour. I didn't even know what a pompadour was because I don't have any hair. Kevin, you you might know what a pompadour is because you, you're in L.A. Uh, I, I have no hair if you've never noticed that as well. I know, but you, you being in Los Angeles, I feel like that might be the birthplace of a pompadour. But he had well, definitely in that sort of swingers late 90s revival of the sort of um, – you know, the swing kind of hipster thing. Yes. I do not like this guy. He rubs me the wrong way. He is bossy right out of the gate. He says, I don't think that I'm, uh, I don't want to be the, de- what was it? The demanding type. I, I wrote it down here, but Oh, I don't want to be portrayed as the cocky one. Okay. If you need to say, you don't want to be portrayed as the cocky one, pretty sure you're the cocky one. Okay. It's like saying no disrespect and then you follow it up with some disrespect. You know, I feel like Bossy Brandon is going to be around. Um, His dish, I think, was executed okay. He was in um, uh, with Adrian, just in her ear, constantly saying, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can pull it off. Uh, You might want to cut it. And I thought, hmm, wait a minute. Is this guy using some gamesmanship there? Trying to psych out his opponent there? It didn't work so much because Adrian kind of pulled it off. But I wanted your take, Kevin, on the gamesmanship or the kind of strategy by Brandon trying to get into Adrian's head there. 
Right. All right. So, so first of all, you know, Brandon clearly from a casting standpoint is the designated asshole this season. Uh, looks like a villain in a John Hughes movie. <laughs> yes, and yes. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue it did pull off. I mean, she was the distant third. Um, and, you know, whether or not his. his but it wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't a train wreck. No, 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 no. It wasn't a train wreck. But it, to the extent it had any his commentary had any effect on, on sort of the, the, the fettuccine rolled pasta problem it might have. So I, I think there's part of that. I mean, here, here's my issue with, with, with Brandon. And I think he probably sunk because we don't like him. I mean, I, I think, but, but I, I'm going to counter that, like, maybe this, he is the 14th best chef because, you know, I, I assume what we were dealing with was a Voltaggio esque, not villain, but, but kind of cocky and that we were going to see something on the plate that in terms of innovation, and, and, and gastronomy was really interesting. And look, neither you or, nor I are ever going to kick out of bed a New York strip atop polenta, you know, with chimichurri. But I've been looking at that plate in restaurants for 15 years. Like yep. for yep. all the bravado, for all the, uh, you know, you know, the self-regard, at the end of the day, he towers – a New York strip that was probably beautifully roasted, okay, a little dry heat probably, you know, whatever, on top of some polenta, you know. It, it, you know, it was very 2006, very 2006. And 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 that's it, right? Like in this judges, you could see like, hey, there was nothing really outstanding here. It was just – what did, what did the, um, the local chef say? There was nothing unbelievable about it. Yeah. You know, yep. here we have, you know, like we, we, we got Eric doing a, a Ghanaian uh, accented scallop crudo. We've got Nini coming out with, I'm going to do a charred cabbage salad. Uh, I mean, to say nothing of what Natalie pulled off and Pablo and, 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 and all the rest of it and, and uh, meat on top of a creamy polenta on top of some broccolini or whatever the hell it was, right? Like, like great dish. You and I would have enjoyed it and we would have forgotten about it the next day. Yep. And, and that's why he's the 14th pick or the 13th pick. So I, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't love his his creativity there. Like you said, it seemed very safe. Um, nothing that was outside the box. Right. But that's why he's the 13th pick in my draft. Yeah. And by the way, it looks also to have enough kind of competence and, te- and technical expertise not to get eliminated for a, for six, seven weeks. So, you know, I, I predict, you know, it could be one of these situations where, you know, his personality kind of gets everybody turning on him in a in, in, in some sort of group competition. Um, but where, where uh, was he on your big board of 18 on, on my big board of 15? Well, we're going to do 18 because we have, we have last chance right. kitchen, but uh, including that, I'll tell you exactly where he was. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, he was 10. No. Yeah. 10. Oh, on your, 10. okay. So you had, you had him. Well, how did you get, uh, him I, had, 10? I had him ahead of Brian, Kelsey, Adrian, and, and my last pick, which, uh, I believe I have the last pick, right? Okay, so we have um, five selections to go. One remain, uh, sorry, three returning chefs from past seasons, and then two remaining chefs from this season. So we have okay, fun- okay. So I'm entitled to pick one of these other people. Yes, yes. All right. Well, in, in that case, I'm gonna. Um, okay, because I thought I was. I, I thought we were drafting the first fourteen, and then maybe divvying up, or I don't know how it worked. But uh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. So I got the next two, or I got the next one. Uh, you have the next two, and okay. there are five five picks to be had. You have the f- first two here, then I pick two, and then you have the last pick. Right. So now, just from a game theory, and I realize I'm not asking you to you know to 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 help your opponent here, but but uh, obviously there's limited points available inside of Last Chance Kitchen, right? So Correct. so it's it's mostly I mean, just at, like a, a 
it's a bonus. Um, right. So literally, if they ran the table for nine weeks in Last Chance Kitchen, there's basically only nine points available. Yep. All right. So that being the case, but there's not there's not much negative. Like so, for, for if you're in the real competition, there's possibility that you get minus five. But it really is just. Um, the last chance kitchen, you're going to be plus one if you move on and a minus one if you're eliminated. So really, this is just the exclamation point. This is the icing on the cake. Right. It is not someone who's going to win. I, I don't think. I mean, maybe someone goes to last chance, goes through last chance kitchen and then gets back into the competition and wins the whole damn thing. But right. this is just pretty much the icing on the cake here. If you okay. want to go in that direction. All right. So so I, I have two picks. So with the, with the, uh, uh, the 14th pick, I'm going to take Kevin Sharp. Yep. Uh, who yep. did the uh, – by the way, he did the Beats, Arugula, and Ricotta. What's really interesting about that is – I think it shows how interesting food is today. Wait, 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 that, wait. wait. You can't go – you can't just destroy Brandon for doing a steak dish with polenta no, 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 and no, 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 no. But Dude, I'm <laughs> drafting him freaking last, okay? Like, <laughs> like this is not an endorsement. This is a game theory play, which is all he has to do is like finish in the middle a couple times and he's going to be a, as if it were like he would survive four rounds of, you know, of last chance kitchen. So Sorry like, I cut not, you off. I thought you said it was a very interesting dish. Well, so. no, no, it was interesting in this respect. It was interesting because it was uninteresting that we were gotten to the point that in 2000, like if you saw pickled beets, homemade ricotta and arugula on a menu 20 years ago, that was some cutting edge shit, right? Like, like we've gotten to the point where there's so much great food in this country, so many innovative chefs that like beets, ricotta, and arugula, fast, fabulous combination, kind of elicits, oh, that old dish again, right? Mm -hmm. Like just think how far we've come Yep. from a culinary standpoint, that, 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 this, that, that preparing this is playing it safe. I mean, beets, nobody liked beets 25 years ago. Nobody, it was borscht. It was what your old grandmother ate, you know, if you were from Eastern Europe. You know, um, you know, ricotta was something that was, you know, you'd found in a checkered, you know, uh, Italian restaurant, like combining the arugula was this weird peppery green that a lot of people thought was like lawn trimmings. So uh, it was a very interesting moment to watch mm -hmm. somebody coming out of the of the kitchen with beets, arugula and ricotta and everybody, you know, people in the kitchen saying, yeah, that's not a winner. Like, yep. so I, I thought it's interesting. So, uh, look, what I appreciated about Kevin, if I have any hopes is at the judge's table. He's getting grilled for his dish. He knew exactly where he could have improved it, right? I needed to make the pieces bigger. That would have given it some texture and crunch. Uh, I needed a little more acid. So all you can ask from a struggling contestant is, hey, I know what I did wrong. Next week, I'm not going to make that error. So I'm not – as as last picks go, this is not a, a great regret. It's not an endorsement, but that's where I am on Kevin. Yeah, I, I thought it wasn't a create. I was actually rooting for him because I felt like being from Iowa, um, there was a little bit of uh, underdog, small market, like the OKC Thunder, like coming out and trying to take down the Miami Heat with LeBron James in the 2012 finals. He uh, it was a really disappointing dish, dish because I think um, you and I can both agree if you don't have acid, what do you have on a dish like that? You need to have some acid there. So. I, I actually had him right around here on my big board, um, and so I think you and I were seeing the same thing with that dish. But you know what? Are we? You know, I could totally see him just 
realizing that he went safe there and then that's not the strategy going forward and that it's going to be a learning lesson like in the same way that um adrian might have had a learning lesson in the first episode so i think that actually might pay off for you with the with the kevin pick all right so you took kevin uh at 14 who is your 15 i'm gonna go with carrie baird um there there are three returning uh contestants from previous seasons brother luck alabama jim and carrie and i'm taking the one that advanced the farthest in their respective season and uh now i don't know brother luck might be a better last chance tactician but i'm just going to go with carrie based on that probability and again we're getting to the point where there's very limited point value associated with these four last four picks just by virtue of the fact that you know we're not going to reward last chance kitchen to the extent we do the big board so uh but i'm gonna go with carrie it'll be fun to see you got a little fancy toast coming up um and uh i'm, I'm gonna go with her yeah you know that's a, that was gonna be my pick there so that is you just stole that one from right under me um carrie i think that's a she's I mean, we're going to have to cover Last Chance Kitchen because I want to see what she makes. Um, she is so, so smart with her dishes and yeah. things that you don't think were going to work. It works. Um, so I think this is someone that I, I'm going to want to watch every single week and see what she does. So 16, I'm going with Brother Luck. 17, uh, Jim. Uh, I loved He was my number one overall pick when I did this draft with my wife a couple years ago. Now, what that, was the reason? And I don't say that skeptically. I'm just curious what you what was the sort of rationale there um i loved well i i'm based i'm basing that uh i thought he was a great personality i thought the technical fact of he's working at this big dining uh in in the south i feel like he could have done uh, a lot of dishes like the volume cooking that is required like right off the bat we have a lot of volume cooking here in last chance kitchen that might not be such a, a huge thing uh, an advantage but uh, I, if I remember correctly, I just thought he was really, really sharp. And he was my number one overall pick a couple years ago. So Alabama Jim is going to be my 17th pick. Uh, and then Brother Luck is my 16th pick. And that leaves you with? Uh, Caitlin Steiniger, Soggy Biscuit. She's probably going to win this whole thing. Right. Uh, by the way, a dish I, I kind of admired. I, I mean, you know, tomato pie is kind of cool. Do it with a biscuit. And there were just sort of hydration issues there. Uh, just got soggy. But uh, again, and, and I, I don't know that she's the least talented chef. It's just, again, by 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 being in Last Chance Kitchen uh, from a point standpoint where, where you, you leave yourself at a disadvantage in our scoring system, uh, which I think is correct. But uh, that, that that's it. I, I kinda, mean, I kind of knew when, when she decided to toast the biscuits because it just wasn't working. I was like, oof, like taking out the biscuits and then putting it back on the cobbler. Like that seemed like a big red flag, no pun intended with, with the dish itself. But that was, that was from the get go. I was like, Ooh, this might not work out, uh, so well for Caitlin, but, um, man, that, that is a tough, a tough hand to be dealt because she, she became a mom before, like she found out she was pregnant right before she went, uh, on an uh, Italian apprenticeship, right? Was that the story? Yes. Wow. That's tough. It's a tough call, but this is, uh, you know, obviously she has a family now and she's, uh, got a great cooking show, cooking with Caitlin. Um, and she's going to have some tough competition there in last chance kitchen, but with the way that our scoring system works, she could get you a bunch of points here. So, um, that that's it. Do you want to review the rosters just for the listeners? And then we'll, uh, 
we'll, yes. uh, we can sign off or, or go through a few uh uh, observations from episode one yes let's uh let's run through the rosters do some final thoughts on episode one um and then okay so f- with the first pick i took natalie then nini justin brian kelsey adrian brandon brother luck and jim you kevin you took and correct me if i'm wrong eddie pablo michelle david eric sarah Kevin, Carrie, and Caitlin. Sounds about right. Wow. That was a lot of fun. I love drafting. It seems ridiculous to know that we were so wrong last year, or at least it was so random last year. I feel so confident in my picks, but it's a really good exercise in uh, In humility. In (laughs) humility, yes. Um, I'm going to be totally... um, uh, made humble by this by this in a few weeks so with those rosters set we're gonna uh, the scoring just for reference natalie would have gotten 10 pablo would have gotten six uh because he was on the quick fire winning team now, are we gonna are we gonna assign no, those points no no i'm just giving people uh oh, a so taste the, wait these contestants don't get credit for those first i guess because it would have given us an advantage see yeah. I, I priced that in i was willing to what take fewer points because for the long-term thing you're saying we don't offer points for the first no, challenge no no interesting I, that is a huge we i do always that last defer year. to you on this i will defer to you on this absolutely we didn't but we didn't it, do this last year i just figured the status quo we'd remain that unless we said otherwise but um, well you would have had an advantage so i mean that's that's big of you well um you did get pablo who would have gotten six points um nini would have gotten uh let's see two points um, Justin three, Kelsey two, Michelle two, Brian two, zero for Adrian, five for David for finishing in the top. Uh, Sarah would have gotten three because of the quick fire bonus. Uh, and then Kevin, because he was in the bottom three, you would have gotten zero. And then Caitlin gets minus five. So we will see what happens with last chance kitchen. We'll review that on the next episode. Um, but first I, I wanted to, from an episode standpoint, the challenges themselves, we haven't touched on that, them, uh, that yet. Just the, I, the idea of doing the two minute uh, mise en place and then doing the 20 minute dish in teams and then spinning it and saying you're going to go against your team members. I thought that was a nice twist. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I um, it, it, it was there was some lovely poetic irony in the in the mise en place quick fire. The team that lost its protein couldn't use it because they didn't have a knife. Ultimately, <laughs> one wins the quick fire with a steakless beet carrot and egg dish. So that was interesting to me. Just the serendipity, the serendipity of bad fortune in this show. Uh, again, it, it happened twice, right? You, it happened with losing the, uh, you know, th- that particular situation. They lost their stake, and then in, obviously in the in the elimination challenge with David, as previously discussed, uh, not having his noki and having to settle for soup. So, you know, sometimes deprivation. I forget which chef came on and talked about that. That 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 sometimes deprivation is an advantage in the show. I think it was Joe Sasto. He said, you know, when you're limited, when you're cooking in the woods or something or they take away everything, that's when you do your best cooking. Uh, you don't overthink it. You don't have you, mm-hmm. you don't get paralyzed by the by the uh, the, the burden of options. Choice uh, so, uh, paralysis by choice. What, what, yeah, what, choice. Yeah, paralysis paralysis by, yeah, analysis. Yeah. By, yeah, but, but yeah, choice. It presents problems. Uh, it's always interesting to see contestants more reticent out of the box. Uh, we, we talked about that with 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 big uh, Brian, you know, I mean. What if he says, I mean, how different is that challenge if he says, hey, why don't we cook the rabbit without the lid? 
You know, like like that's an interesting thing. Tom Clickio was the happiest man in Kentucky. He was eating great food out of the gate. I, I think one of the big themes of that first episode, and we talked about it before, was just like they cook some. I, I mean, there wasn't like a bomb on the nope. on, in anything. And even the bomb seemed like it was David's bomb of of the of the soup. It was. It turned out to be one of the best dishes. Uh, and is, is, I wanted to ask you a question. Is Tom Colicchio correct when he says the Kentucky Derby is the fastest two-minute in sports? Is it actually? Um, I think it's actually the the most fun two minutes uh, of sports. Like, I think that's the, the What about the one of those Golden line? State Warrior, like, rallies? One of those, like, crazy two minutes when they just go crazy. Yeah, uh, I would go that's with that. Awesome. Um, yeah. There's no, like, two minutes in baseball because it's, nothing is two minutes in baseball. No, um, but uh, the two minute warning, no, that's not that's not or, you know in football, soccer, or, maybe or the, the come overtime. from behind drive, you know, in football, like marching down the field in the last possession, you know, no the, huddle. The classic Tom Brady, but, yeah, yeah, that 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 would be kind of up there, I guess, if you are a football person, which I am not. Um, it is, I think, the fastest two minutes in sports, which is yeah. you know it makes sense uh, if that's the tagline. But it, it, I've been to Churchill Downs. It is super fun. Like Sarah, I can't believe I didn't pick Sarah. You know, I'm revealing too much. I'm revealing that I have a um, a lot of asset value with Sarah. So anyway, Sarah, hey, when's we, our trade deadline this season? Ooh, uh, let's discuss we'll, that. I mean, we'll discuss that. We, we don't have to do, decide right now, but it has to no, be later don't. in the season for sure. Um, but being in the infield, I've done it twice in the infield. Uh, I have not been in the stands for for the Derby, but the, I was in college in the South. Of course, I was in the infield at the Derby. Um, and I thought it was a really, really strong out of the gate. They're going to do the Churchill Downs episode. And then in the next episode, they did a preview uh, that it's going to be a lot of bourbon. So uh, they're going to go down to Maker's March, Maker's Mark, which is if anyone has not been to the Maker's Mark distillery, it is beautiful. It is quaint south. It is fantastic. Um, I have actually had a. Um, a jug, not a jug, a bottle of my own hand dipped maker's mark. I did the wax, the red wax, Kevin. It was so satisfying that one of the most pleasurable things I've ever done in my life is dipping the bottle into the red wax and watching it, uh, just solidify there in my hand. So uh, if you haven't been to the maker's mark distillery there, um, it's a beautiful drive, a hilly drive, uh, but it is so cool. So, um, but I liked I liked all the pink, Kevin. I am the owner of two Nantucket Red slash pink pants. Um, yes, hat, you are. So you I'm do, a little preppy Tom, there. You rock pastels in, in beautiful ways. I have to say. Yes. So I, I appreciated the theme of doing the Derby party. I liked. I really liked the Wind Placer show uh, aspect to the to the episode. However, Wind Placer show. What that means is if you bet on a horse to win, um, you're going to get the payout. Um, when you have a bet on a horse and they come in second, that means uh, they placed or they, they're one or two. And if you bet a horse to to show, uh, win, place, or show, that means the horse is going to be one, two, or three, and then you're in the money. So if you bet a horse to win, obviously those are longer odds because that's, you know, you, you can't get, be in the money for if they finish second. But in this instance, showing was not good. Showing was you're going to be in the bottom, and I get that it was. Well, they, they took some creative liberties. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what it is. If you go to the horse race, if you go to the Derby or Gulfstream there in South Florida, where I used, to, where we both used to live, um, and you bet a horse to show, that means you're betting that they're going to finish at least third, um, one, two, or three, and you're going to be in the money. So I really liked that. The whole, I thought it was pretty cool that they found out 
while they're cooking so they get to see the results as they're cooking and i thought that added a, an element of drama um but i always love the people in the crowd kevin that are cheering when you finished in last like i love yeah, the people what, was, what do you so do like it was like, like and uh finish last place and you're gonna be on the chopping block is uh caitlin and then there's just like light clapping and then some screaming in the background i'm like what do you do in that instance if you're in the audience so tom well, uh, we will look forward to episode two uh, I, I look forward to, to hearing your trade proposals over the course of the week. Uh, you can send them to my. Oh, you uh, can you send can, them to my, me as my, well, Kevin. I mean, there's there might be some people that you want on your team as well. So don't be afraid to send me. This isn't just yeah, a one way street. Yeah, I, I, no, absolutely. I will. Um, I, I will take this into consideration. I mean, you have some contestants I very much like. So uh, that that is it for pack your knives uh, for Tom Habstro, Kevin Arnovitz. We have our fantasy draft rosters in place, and we are stoked for season 16. We are up and running. Thanks, everybody. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.